Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. The Bible says, but if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. A good point to stop and pray before we go into the text. Heavenly Father, thank you we can meet here. Please help me tell the truth from your word. We're thankful your saints are able to gather together to hear your word, to uh, talk. Uh, Please be with us. We want to be edified tonight. We want to get some truth that would help us. Jesus Christ, we we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Verse number 16 is what we're in. But if any man seemed to be contentious, Paul has argued, he's argued the order of headship. He's gone through creation to prove his point. He's gone through uh, nature to prove his point. He's gone even through angels he's brought up uh, to show this distinction between men and women and this God-ordained headship that has been established. And he finishes out the thought with contention. Is it as amazing to you as it is to me that Christians... Saved people can be some of the most contentious people, and it ought not be so. So we're going to try to get some understanding tonight regarding contention. This is Paul's final argument, and he closes out, and he really is saying here, after everything that we've been through in the first 15 verses, you've heard it, I've argued it, I've laid it out in front of you, Now, let's not fight about it. (laughs) If I didn't answer your question in verse 1 and verse 2 and verse 3 and verse 4 and verse 5 and verse 6, all the way down to verse 15, I can't answer your question. (laughs) There's no reason to continue to fight about it. I've said, Paul, Paul, under the Holy Spirit's inspiration, it's like he's saying, look, I've said what the Holy Spirit has inspired me to say, and we're closing it out. People do like, There's some people that just do like to argue. They just like to be contentious. They don't really want truth. They're not looking for reconciliation. They're looking for a way for them to win, a way for them to come out on top. How do you know that? I used to be like that. I can be like that at times. And I would ask you the same question. Are you like that at times? We all can get into situations where the conversation has just become, in our mind, I'm going to win no matter what. And Paul's trying to point out something here. We got to quit. We got to quit. He's quitting. He's saying, look, I've, I've given you what, I've, what I have, and now it's time for, for you, Paul saying, to stop trying to find fault. With the Bible, stop trying to find fault with the arguments that I've put out. In in the book of Jude, it says you should earnestly contend for the faith. There is a right contention. This isn't what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians 11. Because at this point in verse number 16 in 1 Corinthians 11, this isn't a contention for the faith. Okay? This is a contention where... I just want to win. Paul says, we all need to be careful of that. 
God says it through through Paul. An interesting proverb. Go to Proverbs 29. Proverbs chapter 29, verse number 9. Let's look at this. If a wise man contendeth with a foolish man, whether he rage or laugh, there is no rest. The contrast in this verse, you've got wise, you've got foolish. You've got rage, you've got laugh. You've got rest and you've got no rest. And it's three stark contrasts, meaning if you're, if you, if you rage, you give someone a, a foolish man a stern, hard preaching, just straight down the line. It don't matter. Um, if you give him, uh, what does it say? Uh, laugh. If you give him a humorous illustration, if you come to him good natured, if you come to him lighthearted, and he's a foolish man, it don't matter. <laughs> People say, well, you should just preach, just kind of tone it down a little bit. It don't matter. People say, you know, you're too soft. You, the people really need to, you really need to blast them. It don't matter. That's what this Proverbs trying to point out. For a foolish man, it doesn't matter. Now, by way of disclaimer, that is in no way an excuse to just let people have it just so you, you, you don't want to use the pulpit as a, as a, as a bully club. Okay. But the point of the proverb is, for a foolish man, it don't matter. He's not looking for rest, and he ain't going to give you rest. All he wants to do is be contentious. Or you know what? You're just casting your pearls before swine, and nothing gets accomplished. So Paul says here in verse number 16, I'm done arguing the point. I've said enough. And if you're serious, you'll receive the truth. And then he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 11, verse number 16, but if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. The custom here, he wants all the churches to simply agree. There's a distinction between men and women. Men have short hair, which is their uncovering. Women have long hair, which is their covering. We went through, as best I know how, there isn't an additional covering that is going to make anybody more right with God. And there isn't an additional covering that a woman needs to put on top of her hair for a hair covering in order to fulfill an ordinance that the church has lost. We've not lost an ordinance here at the church. Okay? And Paul simply says, don't fight about it. If you want to put something else on, go ahead. But don't try to make the other women put something else on if they choose not to. And don't try to make the church feel like, look, you've lost the Bible truth. Paul says, look, don't fight about it. You want to contend for something? We'll get to that at the end of the message. But there's something to contend for. We don't want to have a contentious attitude about this. Paul's trying to bring rest. You know, we piano player plays a song and we sing a hymn, that last, it brings the song to rest. It brings it to a close. And then we move on. And that's what Paul's doing here in the 16th verse. He's bringing the thought out to a close. Um, we have no such 
custom, this contention. It should not be a custom of the church. Second uh, Timothy three says ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know, people, they always have an objection. They always have a question and it's not a sincere question. It's almost like it's almost like someone asks you a question and you're thinking to yourself, oh, you know, they want some advice or if they're confused on it. We're going to talk this through and we're going to. And you just wish that was so all the time. Some people, they just ask questions because they're looking to find the aha. That's where you're off. Aha. That's where we disagree. Now I've got some spiritual juice to use to either break fellowship or slander the preacher or just go on down the line, break the relationship off. And I'm just telling you, we should not be like that. That's a hard attitude. And look, God knows your heart. God knows your heart. And he knows it better than you know it. He does. Questions need to be asked. Let's ask them with the right heart attitude. Um, that Proverbs 29, there is no rest. You know, it's that con it's the unsettling feeling that you get. Have you ever been around someone and it's. It's that feeling. <laughs> Nobody's really done anything wrong. It's just that unsettling feeling of. There's just no rest. There's just no peace. I mean, they'll wear somebody out in the job. You got to work with somebody like that all day. We shouldn't be that person. Where someone's like, oh, no, here they come. <laughs> all right, Ephesians chapter four. I, therefore, verse one, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that Ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. How you walk it? <laughs> Let's take a look at ourselves. Well, the preacher isn't this, and the preacher isn't that, and the preacher should, and the preacher should, and then the preacher saying, "Well, the people, you know, they don't this, and the and, 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 and you know the members don't this." How about we, how about we just look at ourselves? That's the first thing, and here's how we should do it: with all lowliness and meekness. With long suffering, forbearing one another in love. And that's how you can obey what the Holy Spirit said through Paul in the 16th verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. How many times do we forget Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 2? Look at that. Long suffering and forbearing one another in love. Stop it with the, yeah, I'm long-suffering, I'm forbearing them, but in your heart, you hate them. In, their, in your heart, you can't wait to get away from them. I understand there's people that just get under your skin. Everybody has them. Amen. Amen. We're, we're all guilty of being that guy or being that gal at times. And the Holy Spirit's saying, look, if you're going to come quit it with the humble brag, okay? Long-suffering, yeah, sure, I'm forbearing, but inside, you can't wait to rip their face off. <laughs> that isn't Christian, in case anybody's read the Bible lately. <laughs> it's not a Christian way to be. And I was about ready to 
lose it this week. It had nothing to do with church, just had to do with business and, and had to do with the venue that we've been going to for years. And I'm not going to get into the story, but I'm about ready to get on the phone and just let somebody have it. But that wouldn't be loving. I forbeared all right. I was long-suffering all right. But I didn't have no love. So we need to be careful. We need to be careful. And the verse we want to get to in Ephesians 4, look what it says. Uh, sorry, verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And I'm not talking about this psychedelic 1960s peace movement you know peace let's just get rid of god and we'll all have love and peace they just redefined what love is they redefined with what peace is and that's what the world does that's what the music industry does i'm not talking about that i'm talking about christians who have the peace of god which passeth all understanding and god says keep the unity well, I don't like this brother. Keep the unity. Well, I don't like this sister. Keep the unity. There's something bigger than you. There's something bigger than me. In case you haven't heard, it's called God. <laughs> he sent his son to die on the cross and he shed his blood so you can have eternal life. And you're upset because someone didn't see 1 Corinthians 11 like you saw. it. <laughs> Why do you care? That a woman's got a bonnet on her head when she comes to church. And if you're wearing a hat or a bonnet or a veil over your hair for a hair covering, why do you care that other women don't? Why does it bother you so much? If it bothers you so much, then drive 30 minutes and go to Muddy Pond and find yourself a Mennonite church and, and plug in there and contribute there and be a blessing there. But find somewhere to go where you can keep some unity and have some peace with other Christians who I have news for you, they ain't going to see things exactly the way you see. And you young fellows need to pay attention because if you think that you're going to grow up and you're going to have, uh, you're going to get your own way every single time with your wife, think again. <laughs> and you young ladies, you, you think again, you're going to have some guy that God has for you and you're going to get married and all of a sudden you're going to just tell him what to do and he's going to jump. <laughs> Guess what? You're going to have to learn how to keep some peace with people that don't see things eye to eye with you. A Amen. How are you going to agree 100% with a preacher who's flawed, a sinner, saved by grace? How are you going to do that? You don't look, doctrine matters. You don't throw away doctrine. But you try to find the best church you can find where the Lord has led you in town. And you try to be a blessing there. That's not to give preachers a pass. They don't, they shouldn't get a pass. Nobody gets a pass with God's word. Where is a preacher going to find a group of people who he agrees with? <laughs> it goes both ways. What do you think? I go around town and want to knock on everybody's door that's been to Pilgrim Baptist. Okay, show me how you're living. Well, that ain't right, and that ain't right, and that ain't right. No. Nobody does that. Because there's a such thing as the Holy Spirit. And there's a such thing as endeavoring to keep the peace in the spirit of unity. And that is going to allow us to quit with the contention stuff. It's a hard attitude. Paul says, look, if you don't agree with me, 
then at least agree with me to not be contentious. Just agree with me on verse 16. 1 through 15, you don't, okay, just agree with me on the 16th verse. In other words, if it's not settled in your mind, just put your doubt aside for a second. Put your disapproval aside. And for the sake of the body, let it go. Consider the church at large because the church is more important than you. Okay. Okay. Exegesis. Everybody knows what exegesis is. You, 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 you read the text and the text, the Bible will interpret the Bible. You, you, read, you read the text. Eisegesis is you read into the text. Okay. You got a thought, you got an idea, you got a philosophy and you find some verses and you read into the text to make what you think preach. Okay, we don't do that. We believe in exegesis, if you want to be theological tonight. Well, there's a whole new term. It ain't exegesis. It's not eisegesis. It's narcissus. It's just narcissus. People read. They don't read the text or read into the text. They're the text. They think it's them. You got These people are just. Christianity is turned into narcissus. I'm me. I'm here. Look, I'm there. No, you're not. You're not that important. I'm not that important. No one person is that important. No one church member is that important. No one preacher is that important. We serve somebody who is. And there comes a point where you got to get your eye off yourself. You got to get your eye off the preacher. We got to get our eyes off the people. We got to get our eyes on Jesus Christ. Because he's the one who's the most important. So what are you looking for? To cause a disturbance or to keep the unity? What are you endeavoring for? Paul wants to have the custom of keeping the unity. Keeping the unity. Go to 1 Corinthians and get chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. My wife and I don't fight often, but when we do, I we, we had something going on just I finally said, yeah, I, she said, hey, sorry. I said, I, look, I probably deserved it. <laughs> if, we, if we honestly look at ourselves and find the fault in ourselves, it's, it makes it easier to just not be contentious. It really does. And 1 Corinthians 7 Okay, we're going to get to verse 17, but look at verse 1. Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. This is a man that's not married. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, that's messing around before you get married. Uh, so, young ladies, you don't let any boy touch you at all until you get married. And so that means no holding hands, no no hugging, no doing any of that kind of stuff. And young 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 men... You, you heed that verse and you don't try to talk a girl into doing something that you know is wrong. You know is wrong. Uh, let every man have his own wife. Let every woman have her own husband. In case 
anybody here is confused, which I trust you're not, God made a woman for a man and he made a man for a woman. God made you either a man or God made you either a woman. Everything that has to do with the transgender movement is satanic and it is wrong. It's from the pits of hell is where it comes from. And the alphabet soup crowd, LBGTQ, and they don't know what they are or who they like. They're filthy animals that are against the word of God and they're full of the devil is what they are. God said a man desires a woman and a woman desires a man and he either made you a man or he made you a woman. And if you're confused, come to church here and we'll help you. The only reason you're confused is because you don't read the Bible. You read, Harry, you're not my potter or some other devil that gets you convinced by some spirit of magic that you can be whatever you want to be. That's a Peter Pan flighty type of philosophy. Man, woman. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The point I was trying to get to is here. Uh, the wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. So in other words... If husbands and wives would stop thinking of themselves and they would think of their spouse, now they're getting somewhere. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul's trying to say, look, if you all would just think about the church at large instead of just yourself, you would get rid of the contention. The wife can get rid of the contention if she just considers her husband. Well, my body's not mine, it's his. Yay! <laughs> And the husband says he can get rid of the contention. Oh, my body's not mine. It's hers. Yay. And everybody's happy. Everybody's happy. There's peace. There's unity. Except they're not. Why? Because we think of ourselves. Paul lays out, the Bible lays out the ideal. I'm guilty of, um, as much as you are of not living up to the Bible's ideal. Okay, we can agree with that. But what, what I want you to see here in 1 Corinthians 7 is that the same problem in 1 Corinthians 11. Why do they have contention? Because they're thinking of them. They're not considering the body of Christ. And so you'll have a problem in a church. You'll have a problem in a marriage if you only think, if, you, if, you're, an, if you're a narcissist, okay? You only think yourself. Now get down to verse number 17. 1 Corinthians 7, verse number 17. But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called every one, so let him walk, and so ordain I in all the churches. That word ordained, uh, and so ordain I, uh, the NIV, the ESV, uh, the New King James, uh, they all water down that verse by removing the word ordained. And it's a way of softening the text. The NIV says, this is, this is the rule, or this is my rule. In the ESV, the NASB says, I direct. Uh, the New King James has direct, and uh, in, in the footnote, they'll, they'll have it in the verse, but then they'll make a footnote, and they'll correct it in the footnote. It's a softer way to uh, correct the Bible. But it's a deliberate weakening of the verse. 
um, the Bible says ordain. That means to properly set in order, to make an ordinance that's unalterable. The definition of direct is to point out or to command. It's a softer, uh, it's a softer turn. To rule means to command or to govern. It's stronger than to direct, but it's still a weakening of, of the word. The word ordained should be there. Um, the Lord's Supper is an ordinance. Believer's baptism is an ordinance. And while we're on ordinances, putting an additional covering on your hair, ladies, would not be an ordinance. And if you think that it is, Paul's trying to say, look, don't fight about it. Don't be contentious about it. And if you go to a Mennonite church or you go to an Amish assembly or you go to a Plymouth Brethren meeting, okay, don't go there and fight with them. Okay? It isn't something that you should walk into a church and start fighting with the folks about. Ordain. Uh, let me give them a place. Let me get back here. But it's got to distribute every man as the Lord hath called everyone. So let them walk. And so ordain I in all churches. Ordain is a strong, strong word. I don't want to weaken the word. And verse number 19, circumcision is nothing. And uncircumcision is nothing. But the keeping of the commandments of God. Well, I'm circumcised. That's nothing. Well, I'm so uncircumcised. Who cares? That's nothing. Well, I wear a hair covering on top of my hair so I can have a real head covering. Well, that's nothing. Well, I don't do that. Well, that's nothing. God said there's something that's something. <laughs> Keeping the commandments of God is more important than to obey is better than sacrifice. So when we try to do outward things to say, hey, look at me, we fail to obey Long-suffering, keeping the peace, uh, love, spirit of unity, and that's something. That's something. Keeping the commandments of God. Yeah, to obey is better than sacrifice. And you can obey and keep commandments. And you can be circumcised or uncircumcised. But the Bible says, if ye love me, keep my commandments. And I guess the point I'm trying to draw out is if there's no love in there, if there's no peace in there, it's just a humble brag. You're just trying to appear humble to brag to people that you're circumcised or you're uncircumcised or whatever it is. If ye love me, who's he referring to? Himself, Jesus Christ. Do you love Jesus Christ? Then keep his commandments. And if you do it out of love, it'll come out right. It'll come out right. If you're doing it for any other reason because you're afraid of the preacher or because you're afraid what someone's going to say that's sitting next to you, or you're afraid what the neighbor's going to think, or you're afraid what your family's going to think, or take the whole opposite approach, you're trying to impress somebody, 
then, okay, you might be keeping a commandment, but you're not keeping the if you love me because you're not doing it out of love. You're doing it out of either fear or pride. And God wants you to do something out of love. The Bible says, you are my, Jesus said, you're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Verse number 21, 1 Corinthians 7. Art thou being called, I'm sorry, art thou called being a servant? Care not for it, but if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's freeman. Likewise, also he that is called, being free, is Christ's servant. Now, the NIV, the NASB, all these modern, not all these modern versions, but a good part of these modern versions, they take out the word servant and they put slave in there. I'm not a slave, okay? I'm not bought with money. I was bought with the price, but it wasn't money. I was bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And you know what I am? I am a servant to Christ. I'm not a slave. He doesn't force me to come to church. He doesn't force me to love him. And he doesn't force you. You're free to serve him and live for him if you choose to do so. But he's a perfect gentleman. He is not going to make you serve him. Verse 23, you're bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Aren't we all bought with a price? You're saved and I'm saved. We bought with the same price. Serve. And you know what that'll get rid of? Contention. Well, I'm the I'm the I'm the master. It don't mean at circumcision doesn't mean anything. Uncircumcision doesn't mean anything. And if you are the boss and you get to tell the worker what to do, and you're the freeman and he's the servant, guess what? It don't matter. Not in Christ. And you take the opposite approach. Well, I'm 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 not the freeman. No, you are. You're in Christ. It doesn't matter. What matters is, are you serving your boss? What matters is, is the boss serving his employees? That'd be a fun place to work at. All these companies want to do team building. You know why they do the team building? Because nobody's getting along. I'm going to come for team building Sunday. (laughs) God wants us to get along. So we have to quit with, I'm filling the blank. None of us go around saying, I'm circumcised, I'm uncircumcised. None of us go around saying, I'm I'm the freeman, I'm the... None of us go around saying But in our heart, we say other things. It prevents us from keeping the spirit of unity and we end up with contention and paul says that's not the custom of the churches we don't want that type of contention last verse go to the book of jude we mentioned this verse and we'll close out with it the book of jude first corinthians 11 is one of those passages where we don't want to do anything to bring a reproach to the gospel We don't want to live 
We don't want the way that we live to be a hindrance to someone listening to us. In other words, do you know how many people have the thought in their head, that person's supposed to be a Christian? For some reason, the world knows that the preacher isn't supposed to be at the bar Friday night drinking it up. <laughs> they know that. It's okay for them, but if they find out a preacher does it, they're upset. The world's okay with the dysfunctional home. But when they find out that a Christian mom and dad get divorced, these Christians, they don't even. You see what I'm saying? The way that we live our life, I grant you, it doesn't save anybody, but it certainly gives us a hearing when a lost person meets us. You find out that the Christian on the workplace that's been trying to witness to everybody during lunch. But then you find out the guy was stealing money from the company. Do you know how much of a bad taste that puts in people's mouth? Now, if they did it, be okay. They just know when a Christian does it, it's wrong. We won't get into all that. But, I mean, there's something to that. There's something to live in like God said to live so that we can be worthy servants. And 1 Corinthians 11, people, well, how come I have to grow my hair long? How come I can't grow my hair long? How come I, why do you have to ask those questions? Why can't it just be, oh, okay, well, that seems pretty clear. I don't have to argue with God. I can just do what God says. And if there's an unsettling feeling, I'm just going to agree with God. Yet we come up with all of these arguments to try to talk ourselves out of just reading and believing words that God clearly put in front of us. And what I'd like to close with tonight is this. I want you to be contentious, but not with each other, with the lost and dying world. Because Jude, look what it says. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. What more do you want? You're preserved. People have doubts about, you know, well, man, I, I, I hope I don't lose my salvation. You're not. He's preserved you. He's called you. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. So we got some context now, right? Salvation. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. In 1 Corinthians 11, he says, hey, don't be contentious about this. But in Jude, he says, I got something I want you to contend for. It's the faith. Which is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And proclaimed in the glorious gospel of Christ. That's what I want you to contend for. That's what I want you to be contentious with. So don't fight with each other. Go out there and find the lost person and fight with them. Contend with them. Argue with them. Debate with them. Go over the questions with them. And then God says, that's something worth contending for. And then when they get saved, don't give them a sour taste in their mouth. By when they when they come to church, they see all the Christians. 
Like, <laughs> you just told them they can have peace. You just told them Christians are different. You just told them, hey, come to church. And then they come to church and everybody's fighting. God wants us to contend for something and with people that are lost and for the faith. He doesn't want us doing it with each other. God wants us to find the spirit of unity and endeavor to keep the peace. Christians, they'll fight about politics. They'll fight about head coverings. They'll fight about, I don't know why you're going to fight with me about a Bible version when I, I, I don't know of a church our size that does more evangelistic outreach. you got to drive 50 miles to find one. You're going to drive 40 miles to find another church that has a, 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 an emphasis on public evangelism biblically. Why fight about that? It's unity. We got one Bible. We're all going to unite around one book. Why have five different books and argue about it? We're going to keep the peace. We believe in unity. We're going to unite around one book. Well, I don't like that. Well, get over it and don't be contentious about it. Last thought, then I'm done. Expect, expect contention when you honestly read the word of God. Because the word of God will offend you. The word of God will tell you things about yourself that you would not tell yourself. Like we looked at in Ephesians. Don't get upset and quit and close your Bible and say, I'm not reading it again. Hang in there. Hang in there. Don't let a little contention stir you up and get you away from the things of God. The Bible isn't designed to give you a dopamine hit so that you feel good about yourself. The Bible is designed to change you and I from the inside out so that we can be a clean vessel and say, here am I, Lord, send me. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.